You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 486, The Superboy Chronicles, Blind Boy's Bluff. Six of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. I am Paul French, and today I am Eagle Lad. Um, we, as some of you may may have gathered over the over the last few years, I usually do uh, take a break for uh, the Super Bowl, and we, we we watch it as a family, and um, you know make the chili, all the all the things, all the things. If you really want to know the menu, it's chili ceviche. And um, and this year we made some uh, jalapeno poppers, which I gotta say, really good. Um, anyway, so um, so yeah, rather than uh, make the guys hang around and uh, waiting until after the game ends, because one never knows exactly when it's gonna end, um, I usually do th- something of this sort um, because we just we just can't seem to find the time to do uh, record episodes ahead. You know, it's, it's challenging enough to to get the uh, the once a week, but uh, but getting uh, getting a, a week or two ahead is is uh, extra challenging because we tend to uh, to run you know to run pretty long on the shows that we do. So anyway, all that is to say uh, is that we're gonna get into some Superboy, and um, but first, but first, there is other stuff. Because uh, there is this week in uh, Legion history, uh, this provided to us by Michael Grabois from the Legion Omnicom, and so uh, here it is. Uh, Forty years ago, um, so so today this this goes out on February fifth, uh, but forty years ago on February sixth was Karate Kid number fourteen. Uh, Twenty five years ago, in uh, on the ninth, uh, we had. Uh, Legionnaires number one in 1993. Um, that, that was a, I was fond of that series. You know, loved the uh, the Chris Sprouse art especially. Um, that was kind of the first. I mean, I'd seen him on uh, some of the earlier uh, Five Year Later stuff, uh, but um, you know, to have him kind of get that get to be doing the whole book was was really cool. Um, also that week, uh, out came Valor number six, and that's where uh, the Blasters showed up to try and spring a powerless Valor from his prison. I think it was Kanjaro's sister, if I remember correctly. Uh, 20 years ago today, or 20 years ago yesterday, I guess, um, it would have been, wait, yesterday? Actually, it's, it's after midnight as I record this, so technically... It was yesterday. Um, uh, Green Lantern, Volume Three, Number Ninety Seven. Uh, this is where Kyle Rayner ends up waking up, or ends up getting transported to the thirtieth century uh, at the end of the book, and then in the next book, in the next issue, he will uh, meet up with some Legionnaires. Uh, ten years ago, um, um, t- ten years ago today, in fact, uh, if you're listening to this on download day, uh, it uh, was uh, the. Season 1, Volume 2 DVD of the Legion of Superheroes cartoon came out. Uh, Countdown number 12 uh, came out on uh, February 6, 2008. Um, 
Justice Society of America, number uh, Volume Three, Number Twelve came out, as well as Nightwing, uh, Volume Two, one, Number One Forty One. Um, getting into some real Legion history, or what will soon be, what will one day be Legion history. Uh, nine hundred forty years from now, February eighth, twenty nine fifty eight, Tenzel Kem, aka Matter Eater Lad, is born. So, um, I, I guess eat something that day. Not that you wouldn't anyway, but, you know, just in case. Uh, 945 years from now, February 5th, 2963, Tasmia Malor, a.k.a. Shadowlass, is born. Uh, 970 years from now, in on February 4th, 2988, Brainiac 5 and Ron Vidar turn Jackson Rugarth back into the Infinite Man. The White Rich resigns, disgusted by the atmosphere of distrust in the Legion in the wake of Daxum's destruction, and she returns to the Sorcerer's World. Uh, two days later, Brainiac 5, Duo Damsel, Monel, Saturn Girl, and Ron Vidar confront the Time Trapper at the end of time. Uh, Ron Vidar reveals that he is now a Green Lantern, Duo Damsel's second body is killed, and Monel is severely wounded. Brainy and Ron apparently destroy the Time Trapper by confronting him with the Infinite Man. Um, later that same day, um, <clears throat> well, I guess not later that same day, but in a different timeline. Uh, Brainiac 5, Duo Damsel, Laurel Gand, Saturn Girl, Valor, and Ron Vidar uh, confront Glorith after the destruction of Daxum. Duo Damsel's second body is reduced to protoplasm and Valor is cri- critically wounded, but Glorith is forced to retreat. Glorith learns that Ultra Boy manipulated her into her earlier battle with Mordru and vows revenge. Valor ultimately recovers, but never returns to active status. Shadowlass also leaves active status at this point to aid in Valor's recovery. And so there we have it. This week in Legion history. All right, so getting into the uh, Superboy issue, uh, the issue at hand. Let me just flip over here. All right, is um, New Adventures of Superboy number twenty-four, and um, <clears throat> uh, features on the cover, uh, cover which is drawn by uh, Kurt Schaffenberger and Dave Hunt. Um, we have Superboy wearing his Clark Kent glasses, and uh, he says, I've been struck blind. I can only see with these glasses. And Lana is hiding behind a tree and says, At last, I know Clark Kent is really Superboy. And, and then we see um, a mysterious figure in a car parked by the side, and he says, Aha, I blinded Superboy. Now I'll destroy him. Bonus feature, a Super Baby Flying Saucer story. All right, so getting into the book. Um... We start off now. Often they do these uh, these splash uh, sort of splash pages, right? And in the splash page, they um, it's usually like a, a sort of a, almost like a second cover, only often with more with a bit more dialogue. Uh, in this case, it actually the story starts right here. Um, so we see a Superboy receiving an award from the Smallville publisher of the Smallville Sentinel. Uh, presenting him with a plaque, making him naming him uh, their personality of the year, and he's you know very grateful for this. Uh, meanwhile, a guy flies in on a looks like a stylized Superboy um, symbol, um, but he's like turned it into kind of a flying pad, and uh, he's thinking not for always, Superboy, just for a few seconds. Some crooks specialize in stealing jewelry, art treasures, rare books, and of course money. Now meet the curator specialist in stealing Superboy souvenirs. 
Uh, Blind Boy's Bluff is the title of the story. It is written by guest writer E. Nelson Bridwell. Penciler is Kurt Schaffenberger. Inker is Dave Hunt. Letterer is Ben Oda. Colorist is Jerry Serpy. And the editor is one Julius Schwartz. And, of course, this came out in December of 1981. Um, So uh, this guy who's flying in, he grabs the... um, the plaque from Superboy and says, I'll appropriate that for my private collection, thank you. And Superboy says, what? He says, why, you're Humpty Dumpty, the hobby robber. I didn't recognize you first in your new costume. And he says, everything about me is different now, Superboy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's kind of got one of those goofy costumes. It actually reminds me a lot of, like, like an Adam villain, like Kronos, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, sort of guys that you would have seen Gil Kane drawing in the early days of, uh, of the Adam. And, um, and, you know, again, you know, he's flying on this, um, you know, this, again, it's like, a, it's kind of like a Superboy symbol, uh, which is odd, uh, but hey, there you go. All right. So, um, so yes, Humpty Dumpty, the hobby robber, um, who had, of course, appeared before. Um, I'm just trying to find the, uh, the actual issue. So Humpty Dumpty, the, uh, yes. Uh, where is it? Okay, yeah. So it would have been uh, Superboy in the original series. Um, looks like issue number seven, uh, which came out in on March 1st of 1950. So yeah, Superboy number seven is where we uh, last saw, saw this character. And here he is popping up uh, a mere 31 years later, but it's always kind of neat to have those little, well, 31 years to us, you know. Not to Superboy. He was still very, very young. Anyway. Um, so he takes the thing and he says, everything about me is different now, Superboy. When you cut short my last caper and sent me to prison, you ruined my plan to help build a private collection of stolen valuables. I've slimmed down now and whipped up a new costume. I call myself the curator of my private Superboy museum. And now to make sure you don't nip my new career in the bud, he throws a bomb. This is not just any old bomb scene. He goes, great sons, it contains a piece of red kryptonite hidden under a lead-lined cloth. It couldn't affect me before, but I can't avoid it now. I have to catch the bomb before it explodes. Got it. And already I can feel the ten telltale tingling of, of the start of something strange. Of course, as we know, at this point, red kryptonite had strange, unpredictable effects on all Kryptonians. Each piece has a different effect. And so he takes the bomb up and, um, and blam, uh, there, he says, there it goes. What a brilliant flash, blinding. Good gosh, I really am blind. I can't see a thing. So he says, uh, you know, hope to rail. It isn't permanent. Red K usually wears off after 24 to 48 hours. So he flies back home to 321 Maple Street. He says, but that period will be tough on me. Better go home and figure out how to cope with this. On a previous occasion, when I was temporarily sightless, I used crypto as a seeing eye dog. Maybe, no, can't chance it. The explosion blew the Red K to dust, but some of it might still be on me. And since Red K affects all Kryptonians the same way, if I get too close to Crypto now, it may blind him as it may blind him too. I'll see if Crypto is in our house posing as Clark's dog skip. Oh no! Can't do that. I'll have to use super hearing. So he hears the sound of Crypto's bark and uh, speaks to him by superventriloquism, which only he can hear. He says, "Crypto, I have an important mission for you." Fly to the other opposite side of Earth and then into space. There's a bottle-shaped asteroid on the other side of the sun that will crash into Mars if its orbit is not changed. Watch it for two days, two Earth days, and make sure it stays in the new orbit. And he says, oh, and so uh, Crypto hears this. He thinks, I'll leave right away. After I burn off my disguise with my heat vision, he burns off uh, his skippy spot, and then grabs his collar and cape, and away he goes. 
Um, so a moment later, the figure of a white terrier streaks out of the camouflage doorway to a secret tunnel in the woods behind the Ken house. He says, now to save the Martians. Um, and so uh, Julia Schwartz uh, gives a helpful editor's note saying that in Superboy's time, uh, Mars was still inhabited by John Jones' race before it was iso- uh, desolated by a villain. Now, here's an interesting thing, right? Because um, I guess maybe they had kept pulling forward um, um, John's uh, arrival on Earth. Uh, because, of course, uh, you know, later we would learn that he came here in the 50s. And um, and that was kind of the thing, right? That he showed up in the 50s, which was kind of real time for him. And uh, that's when he became uh, Detective John Jones, uh, at any rate, uh, remember at this point we knew that Superboy was moved up to the uh, '60s, but maybe Bridwell didn't get the memo, and to him it was still, uh, you know, like when they used to write him in the '30s, um, no matter what time he, uh, place he was in the in the future. Anyway, he says the asteroid wouldn't have endangered Mars for years, but I needed something for him to do. Homing in on the sound tells me exactly where Crypto is. Now I can find the woods for my land landing. So he lands near the uh, trap door, but he decides he better not use it because he doesn't want to leave some of the red uh, K-dust in the tunnel where Crypto would be affected when he returned. So he decides... Um, well, he decides basically, he says, I'll, I'll switch to Clark, walk home, and find a way to get rid of the dust. And so, you know, he says, I've memorized every step uh, of the way from the trap door to the house. Even if I'm seen, no one will realize I'm blind. But he thinks, I'll have to keep my other senses alert in case anyone... And he puts the glasses on. He says, great, Scott, I can see. And so he, yeah, everything's working. His sight is returned. He can use his telescopic vision to see halfway across the world. But when he takes off the glasses, he's blind again. Can't even send out a heat beam like the eyes are done. Um, so he says, well, nothing to... Uh, um, so he uses the glasses and basically says uh, uh, that he's vaporized the red K with his heat vision. Um, he says, still, this is really no solution to my problem. So he's not worried about using the tunnel anymore, so he does that. And he says, later, after telling the red K uh, story to his adoptive parents, Jonathan and Martha Kent, he says, that's it. Without my glasses, my vision is zero zero. but I can't wear them as Superboy without giving away my secret identity. And uh, Jonathan's, uh, you know, uh, puffs on his pipe and says, and the only robot we you have that could have taken your place needs repairs. Maybe it's not just those glasses that work. Here, try mine. He says, uh, well, sure, Pa. He says, no go. I'm still blind. Apparently I need to look through a Kryptonian material in order to see. And so Martha's thinking, well, there must be something that can be done. Let me think. She says, I have it. There are other pieces of plastic from your Kryptonian rocket. Why not make them into contact lenses? He says, hmm, it might work. When the ship crash landed out on Earth, the shock threw me out. And a good thing, too, because moments later, the fuel in the tanks exploded. Years later, when I was about to start my Superboy career, I, re- I realized that, that or I found that regular glasses from my Clark disguise melted when I had to use my heat vision. But the fuel blast had shattered the rocket's windows and Pod preserved every scrap. We found some fairly round pieces and used horn rims to hide the irregular edges. He says, it's possible I'd be able to use uh, fragments of metal from the rocket to trim some pieces into contacts, but Jonathan's having none of it. He says, being from Krypton, those things can harm you. It's quite possible such a roughly made lens could damage your eye and blind you permanently. He says, gosh, I never thought of that. Then how about this? With my powers, I can find a way to wear my glasses part of the time, but never where anyone can see me. And he says, well, why not 
He says, why not make a different pair of glasses that wouldn't make Superboy resemble Clark? And he says, I better not. Don't want anyone knowing Superboy's handicapped, especially criminals. Uh-oh, I gave my room one of my regular quick scans, and the signal lamp is blinking on and off, which means either the president, Chief Parker, or Professor Lang wants to see me. Uh, So he takes a a look, and he realizes it's the chief, so he flies over to... uh, uh, the police to Smallville police station, and uh, he says, "There's Chief Parker at his desk. I have everything in my mind. Uh, I have everything in mind, so the glasses can come off. My super memory will guide me when I get inside." And so he flies in the window, and he says, "Hi, I got your call." And he says, "Superboy, thank heaven you're all right. Of course I'm all right. What made you think otherwise?" He says, "No one had seen you since you flew off with that bomb. Some thought the glowing mineral, and it was red kryptonite. I think he's maybe let people know a little bit too much about what goes on." And he says, "And you were wondering if it had caused some weird effect on me." Not just me. The whole town's buzzing with rumors. He says, then I'd better be seen in public and put those rumors to rest. And an alarm gets tripped at June's gift shop, and he says, I'll send some men. He says, no, chief, I'll go. It'll be a good chance to show nothing's happened to me. So off he goes, and he puts his glasses back on so that he can see where he's going. And uh, he says, uh, I'll have to take in the situation at the shop first, but a hold up like this shouldn't be hard to stop, even blind. It's a good thing June was able to trip her silent alarm. Um, those small-time hoods don't even know the police are onto them. And so he's memorized the scene, he takes off the glasses, and he goes. He says, hi, June, just stop by to pick up a couple of gifts for Police Chief Parker. And they're like, what? Superboy? And, um, he says, this one should fill a nice place in the Chief's jail cell, and he buffs the, uh, the thug. And he says, glad this thug spoke up, it told me where his big mouth is. And then he says, hmm, now I'd like to get something special to go with the first present. And the other, the other guy is saying, yeah, no slugs left, see? I'll smash his skull. And then, yeah, my gun shattered on his head. He says, maybe I'll find something if I look around. Ah, oh, yes, a match pair. I just know the chief will love it. Just put any damage on my bill, June. And she says, don't give it a thought, Superboy. I'm insured. He says, I had to make sure I knocked the cooks out cold. Couldn't let them see me put on my glasses to get my bearings. And he takes them back and says, here, you, here you are, Chief. Book him. And he says, I got this cell ready as soon as you left. So he thinks, well, might as well let the public see me on patrol and assure them that all's well with me. Meanwhile, we check in on the curator, and he says that red kryptonite should have had some effect on Superboy by now. I paid enough for it, but so far nothing about it on the radio. Too bad I couldn't have latched onto some green kryptonite. I have the pleasure of seeing him weak and then die before my very eyes. Well, I can't stand the suspense. I'll get, it, I'll get into street clothes and drive around. Might pick up some clues as to what's happened. Um, and so we see Lana, um, next door to the Kents. She's uh, go, just heading out to, uh, to a walk for a walk in the woods, uh, doing her nature study assignment for school. And Superboy is coming back from his patrol and he says, safely stopped a car after it had a blowout, saved a kid playing in the street, helped an old lady catch an escaped canary. All in all, a pretty slow afternoon. And the, the, uh, narration box says, just wait, Superboy, it will speed up. And he says there's just one more unfinished bit of business to take care of. And uh, so he goes up into the atmosphere on a search-and-destroy mission to get rid of every fragment of that red K by vaporizing it with his heat vision. So now that there's no chance of it blinding crypto. He says, well, that should wind up my duties for the day. Better remove my glasses as I come in for a landing in case anyone gets a glimpse of me. There's no unusual sounds. Good. It's safe to put my specs back on as I make my way to the secret tunnel. And... Um, Lana sees it. She says, why is Superboy landing in these woods? There doesn't seem to be any emergency. Meanwhile, parked at the corner, 
is uh, the curator himself. And he says, what luck? I stop here to get my bearings and Superboy shows up. So they both see this, Lana behind a tree, just like on the cover. Um, and the curator sees this and, uh, and she says, why, those are Clark Kent's glasses he's putting on. Then that must mean, and the, other, and the curator's thinking, Superboy wearing spectacles? And Lana's thinking, when I think of how many times Superboy slash Clark Kent misled me, oh, this is too good to keep to myself. I've got to tell someone or I bust. Someone running through the woods. Have I been seen, he thinks? Gosh, of all people, Lana, I've got to do something. Bluff my way out of this. Meanwhile, he, he has not, not noticed his other observer. Uh, there's only one reason why Superboy would put on those cheaters. The red kryptonite did something to his eyes, and he can't see without them. Terrific. It tells me exactly what to do next time I pull, pull a job and he shows. Um, so, Lana's found someone to share her discovery with, and it turns out it's Clark's best friend, Pete Ross. She says, and I caught Superboy in the act of changing into his secret identity. When he put on those glasses, he looked exactly like Clark Kent. I tell you, Superboy is Clark Kent. And Pete Ross says, as if I didn't know. I discovered that for myself some time ago, but neither Lana nor Clark knows it. Ah, yes, exposition lad. I'm almost surprised that they didn't put a panel of him in the tent as the lightning uh, bolt struck and he saw uh, uh, Clark changing to Superboy. Um, He says, I can keep his his secret, but if Lana couldn't resist blabbing it to me, she's bound to tell others and jeopardize his career. She says, this is one time he won't be able to weasel out of my admitting to be Superboy? <laughs> Lana, you sure fell for it. Fell for what? My Superboy act. I saw you going into the woods, so I put on this costume I once wore in a school pageant to play a joke on you. Oh no, you're not fooling me this time. I saw you jump drop down from the sky. From a tree, Lana, he says as he starts feeling his knee, or uh, feeling his ankle. From, as soon as you were close enough to see me, I jumped from my perch. Or I think I may have sprained my ankle doing it. Uh, just another cover-up. Take off these. I'll take off these glasses and prove who you are. And he says, Lana, don't. Please, give them back to me. I'm practically blind without them. Oop, tripped over something as he trips over the tree stump. Pete says, he's panicking, Lana. Better do as he says, or you'll be responsible if he has a heart attack. Oh, I never thought of that. And she gives them back. Um, I'll have to give you the benefit of the doubt, Clark. It was a pretty chintzy trick you played on me. He says, I apologize. I'll never do it again. I promise. But Pete has figured out that, hey, wait a second. That was no act he was putting on. He wasn't focusing his eyes. He must have been, it must have been because he knew it wouldn't help. But why is Clark blind without his eyeglasses? Oh, that red cape Omni carried off. It must have had a blinding effect on him. Meanwhile, back at the curator's uh, hideout, he's placed, uh, he says, I've prepared a list of all the places in town that have true, uh, Superboy trophies and, mem- uh, and mementos. I was planning to rob the Superboy Museum, but I can't, I better cancel it now. Even blind, he could find his way through that place and stop me. Let's see what else. Ah, the Smallville National Bank. It just opened after reopened after a complete remodeling job, including a coat of lead-based paint. Oh, no. And on display is a statuette honoring Superboy for capturing many of its bank robbers. That's my caper for tomorrow. So early the next morning, he sees the curator breaking into the, into the bank. And Superboy says, The curator, about to add another Superboy souvenir to his museum. <clears throat> It's just my luck. The bank's been done over. My x-ray vision can't penetrate its new paint. I'll have to memorize the layout with supervision. Scan as I fly in. And he says, well, here comes Superboy. As expected, he's about to find out that two eyes are better than none. Greetings, Superboy. Here's lead in your eye. And then uh, he's using some sort of ventriloquist uh, thing. Um, He says, since you can't see Superboy, I'll tell you what's happening. I'm stealing the bank's Superboy statuette so I can add it to my collection. Oh, by the way, don't try to find me by voice when I'm using ventriloquism and I'm throwing it all around the room. 
He says, I bet I'm the first robber who ever took a trophy from a bank instead of money. Superboy taps him on the shoulder and says, wrong, you're not saying, you're not. Oh, it's, yeah, because he had that the spray can, right? The lead paint, as he said. Um, he says, wrong, you're not taking anything. He says, how did you know where I am? I can't, you can't see a thing without your glasses. My glasses, I don't wear glasses. Sure you do, I saw you wearing them in the woods. You were blinded by red kryptonite. Oh, that stuff. Yes, it affects me in strange ways. This time it put rings around my eyes, made it look like I was wearing glasses. My whole plan was based on you wearing glasses, which I'd spray with lead paint so you couldn't see. But I was wearing glasses for a fraction of a second, think Superboy. He says I put them on at super speed, looked around just as fast, and took them off before anyone could spot them, and before the paint could reach my closed eyes. I knew he'd be after the Superboy statuette, so I grabbed him when he grabbed it. Okay, curator, let's go. I'm seeing you to the police station. And I do mean see, because my sight is coming back. As the red K effect finally wears off, my eyesight returns to normal. You failed as Humpty Dumpty, and you failed as the curator. But I bet you'll be a whopping success as the convict. All right, uh, next issue, a 27-page second anniversary blockbuster, The Man Who Kidnapped Nature. All right, so we move over to the uh, Super Baby story. Um, oh, I remember this one. This is this is a lot of fun. Okay, so it is uh, the little green men who weren't there. Uh, it's written by Bob Rosakis, drawn by John Callanan, uh, inked by Frank McLaughlin. Shelley Lefferman is the letterer. Jerry Serpy is the colorist, and Julia Schwartz is the editor. So. Um, Clark is, you know, wearing his usual uh, cape and uh, red shorts and uh, blue shirt. He's, and he's wearing a, uh, a helmet and has a zap gun in his hand. Uh, he says, look, Ma, me help Tommy tomorrow beat up space monsters. Bzam, zap. Clark, says Martha, turn off the television and meet Terry Flanahan. She's going to babysit for you while Pa and I are at the Labor Day dance. And so the TV gets turned off, and she says, Hi, Clark. So you like Tommy tomorrow, eh? He says, Yep, someday me gonna be a spaceman just like him and save the world from monsters. And she says, Well, there'll be no monsters tonight, says Martha. Uh, no monsters tonight, Clark. You'll be a good boy and do whatever Terry tells you, right? Yes, Ma. Me know she don't want me to fly or lift big things when other people are around. Um, so uh, Jonathan says, Ready to trip the light fantastic, Martha? All set, Jonathan. Remember, Clark, go to bed when Terry tells you. Bye, Ma. Bye, Pa. She says, have a good time and don't worry. Clark's in good hands. And she says, well, Clark, do you want to watch more television or have me read to you? Nope, you want to play outside. All right, but only until it gets dark. And it's into your PJs and ready for bed. Um, so he goes out and plays in the swing set in the backyard. She says, me fly to Mars with Tommy tomorrow. Vroom. And she's sitting on the uh, on the back porch, and she's saying, oh, thinking, ah, oh, what a cutie he is. What an imagination. He says, hey, what's that up in the sky? Look, Terry, a flying saucer. Um, and uh, she sees a cloud, uh, but um, you know that's because his supervision powers occasionally turn on. And he's not quite sure of of, uh, of what it is, so he sees it. He sees the actual flying saucer. Observe, Kavitz. Our monitor shows the superpower source we seek is on the surface below. Activate magno beam, and these are typical looking things. Although they kind of look like dominators. You know, they've got the big discs on their head, but they're not Dominators, clearly. Um, as this planet's gravitational hold is overcome, Gertz, the power source will be drawn to us. He says, what a what a prize to bring back to Sidaiga, maybe. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so um, it actually zaps the swing set and pulls it up, and he's like, huh? Flying saucer shooting ray at my rocket? Bad spaceman stealing it. Me stop them, and he holds on to it. 
and it's getting kind of tractor beamed up and he goes uh oh better stop this or Terry tell mom pa and then they'd be mad at me for using my powers and they're hold it magnal beam directed at wrong target target de- deactivating correct and uh, so he brings it down and Terry looks up and she says huh did I hear something fall It'll be, and he says, let me shoot a Batman's flying saucer first. Oh, she's, no, she says, it'll be dark in a few minutes, Clark. Finish your game. That's when he says, let me shoot a Batman's fly, in flying saucer first. But suddenly, Magno Beam now on correct target. And she goes, now Spaceman's pulling me into Sky? Better get down or Terry or Terry tell Mom Meme was flying. And uh, they're, they're, the aliens are, are looking on their monitor saying, the power source is expelling tremendous anti-Magno Beam energy. Deactivate Magno Beam and prepare for planet-side recovery. And so down he falls, and she says, that's enough, Clark. You'll get yourself dirty playing like that. Besides, it's time to go inside. And she says, I'm waiting. And he says, okay, coming. And he he shakes his fist at the sky and says, me not like those spacemans. They're getting me in trouble. Um, So they actually show up um, at the the Kent Cornfield, and they say, prepare for extra vehicle, extra vehicular excursion, Kivitz. Activating self-invisibility shield, Gertz. And they're saying, energy directional locator functioning, proceed. And so uh, in the uh, kitchen, uh, they're sitting at the table, uh, Terry and Clark. She says, hmm, I just love homemade cookies and milk, don't you, Clark? And he says, yum. Ooh, look, little green man outside. Maybe him on cookies, too. And she's shocked. And she says, what? Because there's an alien looking in the window just behind her. And she says, you sure do have a wild imagination, Clark. I don't see anybody at all. He says, but him standing right there, me can see him. She says, then you'll see him just as well from your bed. Come on, let's get you into your pajamas. And they, the, uh, um, <laughs> they're, they're kind of piggybacked, uh, the aliens, because they're, they're short. She says, a curiosity, Kvitz. The smaller creature's ocular system is not deceived by your invisibility shield. The directional indicator shows the smaller one is in possession of the power source we seek. We must get closer to him. Source has been lo- relocated. Redirect indicator. All right, Clark, she says, your teeth are brushed. Your face is washed and your pajamas are on. Anything else before I turn out the lights? And uh, he says, please read me a story from this comic book. And she says, well, let me see. And she looks at it. And it's an issue of uh, Strange Adv- Adventures with uh, Adam Strange on, or sorry, Captain Comet on the cover. Yeah, Captain Comet. She says, I don't think so, Clark. You've seen enough spacemen and monsters for one night. Good night, Clark. If you need anything, call me. Sleep tight. And he says, good night, Terry. And uh, so the aliens say, indicator reveals the power source is stationary here. Activate solid matter dissolver beam, and they burn a hole through the house, basically, through the wall. He says, ooh, what happened to the house? The spaceman's breaking wall. Remain immobile, creature. We seek your power source for the greater glory of Sediga. He says, you bad mans get me in trouble. Go home or meet you, ray gun. He says, the device this creature reaches for, it must be the power source. Grab it. He says, that gun mine, give it back. And he pushes the alien who hits his head, and then uh, he points to the other one, and he says, you you next, little green mans. And he says, go back where you came from. And he kicks him out. And uh, and he hears Terry's voice. Clark, are you out of bed? And he says, uh-oh, me better fix hole fast or else. And you see him actually, uh, you know, like, like doing the cement and everything. Not bad for baby. Um, anyway, so uh, she comes in. She goes, hmm, sound asleep. Guess he was talking in his sleep. And uh, he thinks to himself, phew, everything all right except lose ray gun. And uh, Clark and Martha get back, or uh, Jonathan and Martha get back, and, and she greets him at the door and says, hi, have a good time. And they say, oh, wonderful, wonderful. I could have danced all night. Everything go all right with Clark? She goes, he was an angel, but what an imagination. 
and uh, the flying saucer is heading away, saying, Gertz, telecommunicate to Zadega. We have collected the prize of the galaxy. Additional. Have medical facilities prepared for injuries we sustained in the process. You know, that's one of the better um, super baby stories I find. I find they can be, you know, I mean, there's always that sort of goofiness to them, but uh, but I like this ending. I like the the way they... The, the way Rosakis did the aliens. It's one of the better ones, and so, so that was fun. Anyway, so that's the end of that issue, and um, and therefore we're at the end of the show, and uh, because it is late here. So shorter show this week. I apologize, folks, but we did get some, uh, some Legion stuff up front as well. So comments, as always, welcome Legion of Substitute Podcasters at gmail.com. You can join in the conversation on our Facebook page, which can be found at facebook.legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. We are on the Twitter. We are, uh, or, yeah, we're on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. In addition to all those things, you can head over to our website, legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com, where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we wake our way back into the time bubble, hoping a med team is ready to handle any in- injuries we suffered in the process. And we will see you all next week.